and welcome to American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. If you like American Catholic history, become a supporter at Locals or Patreon. We've got some great perks for supporters, including interviews, gifts, live discussions, and even items we pick up on our travels. For more, visit our website, AmericanCatholicHistory.org. Help us keep this going. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a great review at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. These help others to find us. Today we're talking about the arrival of Catholics in Maryland, the only British colony founded by and for Catholics. They arrived in January of 1634 on two ships, the Ark and the Dove. And St. Clement Island, where they landed and offered the first Mass in the colonies, is on the itinerary for the pilgrimage we will lead to Southern Maryland, Baltimore, and Annapolis. Get details about this pilgrimage and others at our website, AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash pilgrimages. Can't wait to go on that pilgrimage. I've actually been to St. Clement Island once, and it was really neat to be in that spot where that first mass sure. mass mass happened. Yeah. Such a beautiful part of the country, too, and there's so much history there. Yeah, there really is. But when the Ark and the Dove arrived and made this bit of history, it wasn't the first time that those two ships had brought colonists to a newly founded land. <laughs> I see what you did there. Right. The first colony they helped to establish was on the island of Newfoundland in present-day Canada, but that one didn't last due to the harsh winters. Yes, the, the proprietor of that new colony, George Calvert, found the land inhospitable. By the time Calvert made another attempt at founding a colony, he had become Catholic. It was a rather stunning move for a man of his high position in England at that time. It really was. And it influenced his efforts when he founded his second settlement. But let's give our listeners some background on why Catholics were coming over. 17th century England wasn't exactly a friendly place for Catholics. No, not at all. King Henry VIII had declared himself the head of the church in England in 1534. The Pope no longer had any authority. Eventually, professing the Catholic faith was an act of treason, punishable by death. All English nobles were required to swear an oath, recognizing the king as the supreme head of the church. Naturally, no Catholic could swear the oath, so any Catholic nobles who intended to remain faithful were in a tough spot. Catholic priests were executed as soon as they were found. The number of Catholic martyrs from this era is huge. You've got the big names, Thomas More, Bishop John Fisher, and Edmund Campion, but there are so many priests and ordinary people who gave their lives for the faith. Over the years, the church has canonized 43 martyrs, but 315 persons in all have been declared venerable. But enforcement wasn't always swift and merciless. This was the experience of George Calvert. Calvert was Anglican, and he was a successful merchant who rose to become one of the most trusted advisors to King James I. James appointed Calvert his Secretary of State, and Calvert was involved in the London Company. The London Company was responsible for settling Jamestown in 1607, along with a whole lot of other colonization in the American possessions of England. But Calvert desired to have a colony set aside that was his own, not controlled by the company. So he had two ships built. The larger one he named the Ark. The Ark was a very large ship capable of carrying 400 tons and could carry several hundred people. The second ship was called the Dove. The Dove was what's called a pinace. It's a much, much smaller ship, frequently used as like a tender to a larger ship. It is much more maneuverable and could go into shallower areas that the Ark simply couldn't navigate. The naming of the two ships is also indicative of Calvert's intentions. 
The ark, of course, was the ship on which Noah rode out the great flood and brought his family and all the animals to safety. And after 40 days, Noah sent out a dove to look for dry land. Well played by Calvert. Yes. In 1620, Calvert sent these two ships across the ocean to the British-held island of Newfoundland. On a southern peninsula of that island, they established the colony of Avalon. This was another name imbued with Christian meaning. Tradition holds that Avalon was the name of the place where Christianity first took root in England. And I did not know that that was where that name came from. No, neither did I. But that's a pretty cool little factoid. George Calvert was very thoughtful when it came to naming things. So they founded Avalon in 1620. And that's a significant year for founding colonies in the Americas. Yeah, as every American school kid learns, 1620 was also the year when the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts. And that's a little over an hour from where I grew up and where my parents live. Though being typical of uh, you never visit where you live, of I actually have never been there. Well, we'll have to go next time we're out there. Yeah, and uh, we'll do an on-the-spot video regarding the first Thanksgiving and the Catholics who made it possible. I like it. Yeah, great idea, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Avalon was going along pretty well, though the harsh winters made it not quite the ideal colony that Calvert had hoped for. But something major changed for Calvert in the early 1620s. First, his wife died in 1622. And then, for reasons unknown, George Calvert became Catholic. Here he was, one of the most trusted advisors to the King of England. He knew that the punishment for Catholics was death. He knew that the King did not deal kindly with those who disagreed with him in big ways. But Calvert decided to face the problem head-on and come right out and tell the king what he had done, rather than wait for the king to find out on his own. So he did this. I can only imagine the trepidation. Walking into the king's chambers to tell him something that would very likely result in your own execution. But to Calvert's surprise, the king dealt kindly with him. He allowed Calvert to live and to resign his position in government. And perhaps to send Calvert far away from London for his own safety, King James made George Calvert the first Baron Baltimore in the Peerage of Ireland. The estate given to him was in County Longford, which is kind of in the center of the island. The following month, King James died and was succeeded by his son, King Charles I. So George Calvert and his family were permitted to go be Catholics in central Ireland, where that sort of thing wasn't as much of a problem for the crown. Calvert, however, wanted even more freedom for English Catholics like himself, so he decided that his Avalon colony should become explicitly a haven for Catholics. So in 1627, he went over to Avalon personally with his family, joining him the following year. But as we've said, the conditions weren't favorable. The climate wasn't what he'd hoped, and they had to deal with French raiders. In 1629, after a very harsh winter, he wrote to King Charles asking for permission to establish a colony down near Jamestown in Virginia. But rather than waiting for a response, Calvert and his family just hopped aboard the Ark and with the dove sailing alongside, made their way down the coast to Virginia. Now, the Virginians were good Englishmen, and they weren't keen on these papists coming around, even if the leader was a lord. The governor of Virginia demanded that Calvert take the religious oath that he had refused to take in England. He once again refused. So the governor demanded that he leave, but Calvert knew that he would be back. He returned to his home in Ireland and immediately began to petition King Charles for a grant of land down around Jamestown. The king eventually agreed and granted Calvert a charter for land that included all of present-day Maryland and Delaware, plus that tip of the Delmarva Peninsula that is Virginia, a strip of land that is in present-day Pennsylvania, and some in present-day West Virginia. 
It was a large tract. King Charles had two reasons to grant the land. First, the Dutch, who had settled at the mouth of the Hudson River, were beginning to press southward, so King Charles thought a new colony to the north of Virginia would be a good way to push back. His second reason was that his wife, the French princess Henrietta Maria, was herself Catholic. King Charles was not Catholic. He was, of course, the supreme head of the Church of England. But he had very Catholic sympathies. And when Calvert came to him for a charter for a colony that would be a safe haven for Catholics, Charles knew the perfect name for it. Maryland, named for his beloved wife. But her name was Henrietta Maria. So why do you suppose it wasn't called Henrietta Land? Well, it sounds kind of weird, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So thank goodness Charles didn't go in that direction. Yeah, that would would just be weird. (laughs) But also, Charles had insisted that within England, Henrietta Maria should be called Queen Mary. So he focused on the Maria part, thus making the naming of the colony more melodious. Yes, it sounds great. So on June 20th, 1632, King Charles finally granted a charter for the establishment of a Catholic colony named for his wife, and George Calvert, the first Lord Baltimore could finally go realize his dream. But there was just one problem. George Calvert died in April. Bad luck for him. Yeah. However, his eldest son, Cecil, was eager and ready to take up his father's cause. Cecil had succeeded his father as the second Baron Baltimore, so the king granted the charter to him instead. And the second Lord Baltimore, Cecil Calvert, set to work with gusto. He immediately began readying the Ark and the Dove for the voyage. He put out advertisements and pamphlets to encourage settlers to join the cause and move to Maryland. He promised land and an opportunity to advance in society, something that was nearly impossible in England. And he promised religious liberty. But Cecil Calvert would not be among those who went over. He knew that there would be trouble in England that would threaten the existence of Maryland, trouble that he, as proprietor of the colony and member of the nobility, would personally have to fight. So he appointed his brother Leonard to be governor and with their brother George to help him. So in mid-1633, the Ark was ready to set sail. But anti-Catholics with the king's ear caused further delays. The Ark was not permitted to leave England until November. But though they were delayed, the first settlers of Maryland were not dissuaded. They were happy on that November day when the final go-ahead was given. Cecil Calvert joined his brothers for one final meeting on the deck of the Ark and advised them to be sure that the Maryland colonists remained friendly with one another. He admonished them to maintain friendly relations with all other English settlers, not to argue religion, and not to give anyone a reason to speak ill of the Maryland colonists. He knew that the eyes of all would be on them looking for a reason to denounce the Catholics to the king. And so, on November 22nd, 1633, the Ark and the Dove finally set sail with 140 colonists. Among them were Leonard and George Calvert, as well as two priests, Father Andrew White and Father John Altham. Trouble began shortly into the voyage. As the two ships were leaving the English Channel, a great storm whipped up and the ships became separated. The Ark, which was quite large, managed the storm fairly well, though it did suffer a cracked mainmast which needed to be repaired. The Dove, however, was nowhere to be seen, and those aboard the Ark feared that it had been lost. In reality, the Dove had turned back and raced to a safe harbor among some islands off the tip of Cornwall, Great Britain's westernmost point. She survived the storm and set off a few days later. The Ark sailed south past France and then along the Spanish and Portuguese coasts before turning right and sailing west across the ocean. 
Remember, this was the beginning of winter. The North Atlantic isn't the warmest and most amiable place to be in the winter. Uh, no. So they went south and made a few stops for provisions before heading toward Barbados in the Caribbean. The storm they experienced off the coast of England was the last of the bad weather they experienced, but the trip was not without its challenges. The worst was that Christmas party. To celebrate the great solemnity, wine was passed around liberally, but something was amiss with it. Thirty passengers became ill, and eleven died and had to be buried at sea. I'm not sure if the wine had gone bad or if they had just, you know, drank way too much, but that's a pretty bad way to go. Yeah, not fun. They came ashore at Barbados on January 3rd, 1634, and remained there for three weeks. It was while they were anchored at Barbados that the Dove caught up with them. The crew of the Dove didn't know that they'd find the Ark in Barbados, but Providence brought them along the same path, and the full crew of colonists reunited. On January 24th, both vessels set sail from Barbados, making a few more stops in the West Indies before heading to the Chesapeake Bay. Interestingly, on one of the stops on the island of Montserrat, they came upon a large settlement of Irishmen. These Irish had fled to the Americas, hoping to settle in Virginia. But since they were Catholic, the governor wouldn't allow them to stay. Well, since the king had granted the charter to Cecil Calvert and Leonard Calvert was his appointed representative, the governor of Virginia wouldn't be able to turn him back. The Marylanders were coming with royal approval and full rights to establish a colony. That's not to say the Virginia governor couldn't cause the Marylanders some trouble. When the Ark and the Dove reached Virginia, the governor there warned them that the natives in the land that they were heading toward were all up in arms. It seems that the natives had caught wind that a flotilla of Spanish raiding vessels was coming, so they were prepared for battle. And indeed, when the Ark and the Dove sailed up the Potomac, they saw the warriors with bow and arrow and signs of being prepared for battle. Yeah, well, what's more likely is that the Virginians spread the rumor about the Flemish flotilla to be sure the Catholic Marylanders received a harsh welcome. But they sailed past these tribes and made for a series of islands 25 miles upriver in the wide Potomac. The largest of the islands they named St. Clement Island, and it was here that they came ashore for the first time on March 25th, 1634. March 25th, the Solemnity of the Annunciation. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. And their first course of action was to erect a large, rough cross on a high point of the island. There, Governor Leonard Calvert claimed the land for our Savior and our Sovereign Lord, the King of England. Father White offered Mass at that cross, and the colonists were home. Leonard Calvert and a small contingent, including Father Altham and an interpreter whom they'd hired in Virginia, sailed on the Dove further up the Potomac and to various Indian villages to seek out the leaders of the natives so they might establish cordial relations right at the outset. Eventually, they found the major Piscataway village where they welcomed the chief aboard the Dove. Calvert asked the chief if he would be okay with the Marylanders settling in the area. The chief's response was, I will not bid you go, neither will I bid you stay, but you may do as you think well. That was good enough for Calvert, and he returned to St. Clement that evening, satisfied that the tribe posed no major threat. The next day, March 26th, Calvert and a contingent went to another major native settlement, and here they received an even better welcome. This tribe, the Yuakamako, welcomed Calvert with great hospitality, even welcoming them to spend the night. The chief gave Calvert his own bed for the night. The next day, the chief made a rather remarkable agreement. The Yuakamako would allow the settlers to come and take over half of their village, including their homes and their crops, and when the harvest season was over, the Yuakamako would give over the entire village to the Marylanders. That's kind of crazy. I know. <laughs> like, wh- where did they go to? I know. Oh, we've got a spare village around the corner. You know, like, I it, 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, the settlers gave them cloth and tools that they had brought with them from England in exchange. So they got something. Yeah. The Yakomako and the Marylanders also agreed that both groups of people would respect one another. And if any member of either group were to wrong a member of the other group, justice would be worked out. Leonard Calvert decided that this village would be the best place to establish the first settlement of Maryland. And so he sent the dove back to St. Clement to inform the rest of the settlers and to bring the ark down to their new home. This settlement they named St. Mary, and it was formally erected on March 27, 1634. And that was the beginning of the Maryland colony and St. Mary City on the fertile, lovely lands of Southern Maryland. If you join us on our pilgrimage, you'll see historic St. Mary City, St. Clement Island, the oldest continuously used parish church in the United States, the first women's religious community founded in the United States, the first parish founded in Virginia, our first cathedral, and so, so much more. Get details at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash pilgrimages. But to wrap this episode up, things changed quite a bit over the years after the Maryland colony was established. We talked a bit about some of the early struggles in episode 9 when we talked about Margaret Brent, who was a friend of the Calverts and who came over just a few years after the Ark and the Dove. Brent became the largest landowner in the colonies, and Leonard Calvert named her his agent, and she was the executrix of his will when he died. So she was a very important person, and even helped save the Maryland colony from Protestant anti-Catholic forces in the 1640s and 1650s. Also, Maryland didn't remain a Catholic haven for that long. We've talked about this in a few episodes, like episode 104 about Charles Carroll of Carrollton and 128 about the Carmelites of Port Tobacco, and it'll come up in more episodes. Even in Maryland, the Catholic faith eventually was suppressed, and the Mass could not be celebrated in public for about 150 years. But there remain remnants of the settlement by the Calverts. When the capital moved, the city it moved to, Annapolis, is in Anne Arundel County, which is named for Cecil Calvert's wife, Lady Anne Arundel. They have a thing about naming things, naming places after their wives. And mind you, I think it's a perfectly wonderful tradition. I'm thinking the house should be called Le Chateau du Noël, the Christmas house. <laughs> speechless. You've left me speechless. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Another naming remnant is the major port city at the top of the Chesapeake. Baltimore, of course, shares a name with the Calvert family estate, Baltimore. Though some say it wasn't directly named after the Calvert's estate, some say instead it was actually named after the town of Baltimore in County Cork on Ireland's south coast. But regardless, it is the same as the Lord's Baltimore's estate. And just to enshrine the Calvert legacy in the present state of Maryland, the state flag of Maryland is taken directly from the coat of arms of the Barons Baltimore. This flag was first used in the 1880s and was adopted as the official flag in 1904. But it all started with the Ark and the Dove at St. Clement Island and St. Mary City. And if you join us on our pilgrimage to Southern Maryland and Virginia, whether this year or next, you'll get to visit these sites and so much more. On St. Clement Island, there is a replica of the cross that Leonard Calvert and company erected and where that first mass in the colonies was celebrated. And downriver a little ways, excavations continue at the site of the original St. Mary City. A few replica buildings have been erected, and we will certainly visit those. Get details at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash pilgrimages. This has been American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media and produced by the StarQuest Production Network. If you enjoy American Catholic History, become a supporter on Locals or Patreon. Get information about both and the perks of being a supporter at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. 
Also on our website, sign up for our newsletter, learn more about the Ark and the Dove, see our upcoming pilgrimages, and find other episodes. And be sure to check out our sponsor, Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. We love getting your feedback and suggestions for episodes. You can email us at feedback at AmericanCatholicHistory.org. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash American Catholic History, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow us on Twitter at ACH1513. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media and produced by StarQuest.